Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to everyone listening, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 9 of the Well-Read Podcast. I am your host, Megan Bjerke, aka The Real Bookish Writer. I am a reader, writer, bookseller, book festival goer, and I am and always have been obsessed with genre fiction. While you're here, there will be two segments, a short one where I review the books I've read for the past week, and then a longer one which will consist of a one-on-one author interview. Without further ado, let's jump right in. This past week was a really good reading week for me, as I finished not one, not two, but three incredible books. The first one was a reread for the holidays, and it was Wreck the Halls by Tessa Bailey, published by Avon Books. It's a sexy, hilarious standalone rom-com about the adult children of two former rock stars who team up to convince their estranged mothers to play a Christmas Eve concert. Melody Gallard may be the daughter of music royalty, but her world is far from glamorous. She spends her days restoring old books and avoiding the limelight, but when a producer offers her a lot of money to reunite her mother's band on live TV, Mel begins to wonder if it's time to rattle the cage, shake up her quiet life, and see him again. The only other person who could wrangle the rock and roll divas. Beat Dawkins, the lead singer's son, is Melody's opposite. The camera loves him, he could charm the pants off anyone, and his mom is not a potential cult leader. Still, they might have been best friends if not for the legendary feud that broke up the band. When they met as teenagers, Mel felt an instant spark, but it's nothing compared to the wild, intense attraction that builds as they embark on a madcap mission to convince their mothers to perform one last show. While dealing with rock star shenanigans, a 24-hour film crew, brawling Santas, and mobs of adoring fans, Mel starts to step out of her comfort zone. With Beat by her side, cheering her on, she's never felt so understood. But Christmas Eve is fast approaching, and a decades-old scandal is poised to wreck everything. The Steelbirds reunion, their relationships with their mothers, and their newfound love. I am a massive fan of Bailey's, and I've enjoyed everything I've read of hers, and Wreck the Halls was no exception. It's sexy and fun with a lot of really funny and heartwarming moments. This holiday romance was a perfect escape for me after a long week and is a wonderful novel about love, forgiveness, and self-discovery. The second book I finished was also a reread and was A Far Wilder Magic by Allison Saft, previously published by Wednesday Books. When Margaret Welty spots the legendary Hala, the last living mythical creature, she knows the half-moon hunt will soon follow. Whoever is able to kill the Hala will earn fame and riches and unlock an ancient magical secret. If Margaret wins the hunt, it may finally bring her mother home. But while Margaret is the best sharpshooter in town, only teams of two can register, and she needs an alchemist. Weston Winters isn't an alchemist. Yet. Fired from every apprenticeship he's landed, his last chance hinges on Master Welty taking him in. But when Wes arrives at Welty Manor, he finds only Margaret and her bloodhound trouble. Margaret begrudgingly allows him to stay, but on one condition. He must join the hunt with her. Although they make an unlikely team, Wes is in awe of the girl who has endured alone on the outskirts of a town that doesn't want her in this creaking house of ghosts and sorrow. And even though Wes disrupts every aspect of her life, Margaret is drawn to him. He too knows what it's like to be an outsider. And as the hunt looms closer and tensions rise, Margaret and Wes uncover dark magic that could be the key to winning the hunt, if they survive that long. The concept of this book is just really cool and interesting in my opinion, and I love reading stories that revolve around alchemy, which this book has a lot of. The characters are great and are strong, solid leads, and their development was wonderful to witness. It is a young adult urban fantasy, which is a subgenre of fantasy that places supernatural elements in an approximation of a contemporary urban setting for those who don't know, and it plays with religion, magic, relationships, and family dynamics so incredibly well. The romance was also very cute and precious, and I mean that in the best possible way. 
This book is a lot of fun and a wonderful introduction to Saf's writing if you haven't read anything by her. The last book I read was in a genre I don't normally read, but it was chosen as our book club pick for October, and that is Clown in a Cornfield by Adam Caesar and was published by Harper Teen. Quinn Maybrook just wants to make it till graduation, but she might not make it till morning. Quinn and her father moved to tiny, boring Kettle Springs to find a fresh start. But ever since the Bay Pin Corn Syrup Factory shut down, Kettle Springs has cracked in half. On one side are the adults, who are desperate to make Kettle Springs great again. And on the other are the kids, who want to have fun, make prank videos, and get out of Kettle Springs as quickly as they can. Kettle Springs is caught in a battle between old and new, tradition and progress. It's a fight that looks like it will destroy the town, until Frendo, the Bay Pin mascot, a creepy clown in a pork pie hat, goes homicidal and decides that the only way for Kettle Springs to grow back is to cull the rotten crop of kids who live there now. First of all, I don't know how this book is classified as a young adult book, because this book is graphic. And it's probably only graphic to me because I don't usually read horror, but as someone who is new to the genre, I actually really enjoyed this book. It's gory and fun and is an absolute great slasher book. It has a sequel, Frendo Lives, that was just released last year, and a third book, The Church of Frendo, was just recently announced and is slated to release next fall. And fun fact, in 2020, this book won the Bram Stoker Award for Best Young Adult Novel. Now that we're done with the reviews, let's jump in to the interview portion of this episode. Our guest today is one of my all-time favorite romance authors, and honestly, just a wonderful human being. She's a writer of contemporary romantic comedies that are influenced by the places and things she loves. She lives on the East Coast with her husband, sons, and her somewhat excessive collection of romance novels, although let's face it, you can't have too many of those. She was a preschool teacher for almost seven years and is now focusing full-time on combining her two great passions, writing swoon-worthy love stories and making people laugh. Please welcome Kate Bromley. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, Kate, for being here. I'm so excited to chat with you. Thank you so much for having me. I feel like I'm meeting Absolutely. a pen pal. Right? As much as I'm like, oh my goodness, I love your books. Everyone, please read this book. Please read this book. Please read this book. I just, I love your stuff. And thank you so much. I just, that means a lot. They're just, they're so sweet, but there's like serious issues that you deal with and serious themes that you deal with, but they're, they're just wonderful books. I freaking love them. And I'm so excited for your fourth one. I know you just kind of came out with Chow for Now, but still, I'm unfortunately one of those people who was like, I'm very excited for your next one. Can you please hurry up and release it? Trying. I promise. I promise I'm trying. So what made you want to become a writer? You know, it was never, ever something that I really thought I would do. Like I was a preschool teacher I was a preschool teacher for seven years. Like I went for education in college. Like I didn't go for writing or anything like that. Um, but I was just in a constant state of reading romance novels. Um, like since I discovered them when I think it was like right before I went into college. And like after that, like I never didn't have a romance book like on me like somewhere, like always in my bag. Like I was just always reading it. I started working at Barnes and Noble in my spare time so I could get the discount because it was just like obscene, like how much money <laughs> I was spending. Um, so I just loved romance novels. Like I was just reading them all the time. And then I think eventually I just got to a point where I wondered, I was like, well, what would I write about? Like if I was writing a romance and I was like, oh, let me like try, I'll write like a chapter. Um, 
so I did. And then like, I gave it to my mom to read and then she read it and she's like, oh, this is cute. Like keep going. And it really, the first draft of Talk Bookish to me was made like that, just kind of chapter by chapter. Me having no idea what I was doing. I mean, that was like four years prior to then, you know, when I eventually queried it because then I started taking like writing classes on the side. Like I would go into the city and like join writers workshops and groups and really, uh, I guess, trying to strengthen my skills as a as a writer. So no, it was like never in the plan. I still don't feel like a writer. I very much have imposter syndrome. Like it's not a thing, but... <laughs> <laughs> how do you deal with that imposter syndrome? Because I feel like it's fairly common. Like, how do you kind of push through it? How do you work through it? I don't know. Like, I still, I mean, I've always said that, like, I feel like writing, like, having books out was, like, somehow, like, a party that I snuck into. And, like, I'm still waiting for people to be like, no, no, like... This isn't for you. You just keep doing it anyways. Like, even though, like, I still to this day feel like that. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm writing this. this is, everyone's going to hate it. Like, it's going to be terrible. Like, but you just got to push through it. You do it because you like it, because you enjoy it, because you can't stop. Like, even when, like, I would think, oh, I'm going to like take a break for like a couple weeks and like just relax. But then you still think about it and you're like, well, I'll just do like a little bit. Like, it just kind of keeps calling you back that it's just something you do. <laughs> well, I can a hundred percent confirm that you do deserve to be a writer and you do deserve to be at the party because <laughs> like I said, there's just something so wonderful about your books. And I don't know if it's because each of your books, it has dealt or it has either dealt with or taken place in a setting where I just, I love and I want to go. Like <laughs> I used to do theater for a really long time. And so, um, for, is it here for the drama here for yeah. the drama it like connected and resonated with me because I was a stage manager I was like I love this book this book is so real when it comes to talking about the theater world mm -hmm. and obviously I love books I want to go to Italy I'm part Italian you know so I just I love I just love your books and you 100% deserve to be at the party I can guarantee that so much <laughs> so you said that you started reading romance a long time ago, you know, before mm -hmm. college or whatnot. Do you remember what book it was that got you into the genre? I think it was a Stephanie Lawrence. It was historical. Like I went on a historical romance bender like for years because I don't know like if I just like didn't know they existed or not. Like I feel like when you're in high school, like you're told what you have to read. Like you're always doing homework. Like I didn't leisure read in high school. Like I was never like a bookish person. Like I was always just doing homework or whatever. And then it was going into college. My mom was like, you should come to the library with me. Like, I feel like there's a section that like you would enjoy. Like, I feel like this is a genre like that you would have fun reading. So I was like, okay. So I went with her and I went in the romance section and like, it's just everything I loved, like love story, like anything I read, I felt like I'd never read anything like that before. Like there was just romance and like tons of dialogue. And I loved the historical fiction, the Regency era. And it and it was like when you get into reading historical fiction like so often like an author has like 20 books so it's like you enjoy one and you're like wait there's I felt like I was binge watching tv but with books I was like oh my god they have like 20 books and it's all like family members and they're all like connected somehow and oh it was just like magic when I first started reading historical romance 
So are you still a big historical romance reader or have you gone more contemporary or have I you am, kind of but I it feel up? like it's so hard like to even find much time to read anymore like once you start writing like because you're just always working on your stuff or you're reading things to blurb for so you don't I mean for me anyways I don't know if it's just because I have like two small kids so I don't have that much time on my hands anymore um so I really haven't been able to read any historical fiction any romance in a while but someday <laughs> I'll, get <laughs> someday. I'll get back someday, someday. <laughs> what are some more recent romance writers that you've read that you really enjoy I'm reading Icebreaker right now by Hannah Grace um I'd seen it everywhere and it is so much fun I'm really enjoying it and next up I want to read um The Do-Over by Suzanne Park I love Suzanne Park her books are good and she's very sweet. She's amazing. Oh my God. She's very sweet. So <laughs> I know you talked a little bit about why you liked romance mm-hmm. and, you know, you said you're a big romance reader. And so that kind of translated into you writing romance. Mm-hmm. When you started, did mm-hmm. you know that you were going to write romance? Was it just like, this is what I want. I'm going to write romance. Or was it more, you started writing and then you're like, oh my goodness, I, I actually enjoy writing romance as well as reading it. <laughs> I always knew I kind of wanted to go romantic comedy, like the rom-coms. That was what I really enjoyed. I love the mixture of humor and the r- love story. And there's like a lot of dialogue. And I loved, because I feel like so often when you fall in love, like it's with you talking to someone like it's mm-hmm. through the talking that you kind of like the connection blooms and you fall in love so that was something I always loved and then when I did start getting into writing originally for like three years if not more I kind of went off and was doing a lot of screenwriting so that was just like pure dialogue which I love like I just love dialogue it's like my favorite thing to write and to read so then I feel like that kind of help direct my writing style like I feel like my books are pretty dialogue heavy um that's what I like to read that's what I like to um write so that process of learning how to write screenplays definitely plays a part in my writing style and romantic comedies and that's kind of how I ended up going in that direction in that direction so you officially have three books out now Mm -hmm. how did you come up with the idea for these books because they're they're so unique in their own way Mm -hmm. but like I said each of them they have they deal a lot with travel and different settings and whatnot Mm -hmm. how did you how did you come up with these ideas you know talk bookish me was the first thing I ever wrote so that was just like through the years of me working on it and it kind of changed and evolved into what it was I feel like each book it takes like my favorite things and my favorite places and puts them together so look like talk bookish to me was like New York and romance novels boom London was like one of if not my favorite place to ever travel to and I've been obsessed with theater my whole life so it was like London theater boom And then I've always been intrigued by fashion design. I mean, like, I'm by no means, like, no stretch of the imagination a fashionista. Like, I wear sweats and t-shirts. All that, this is fancy. This is me, like, going to prom, basically, right now, which is, like, an unstained sweater. Um, So 
while I'm not a fashionista, I've always been obsessed with design shows. Like I loved watching them. And then of course I love Italy and I had traveled there. Um, I studied abroad for a few weeks for a summer um, when I was in college. So it was kind of taking my favorite thing and like a fun location that I've been to and putting them together. Because when you're writing a book, figure it takes like six months to a year. So it's like, if I'm going to live in a world for six months to a year, I want to like love being there. I want to like look forward to going every day when I'm writing. So that's kind of how I come up with what I'm going to write about. <laughs> and so, talking to me like changed so much, like from the original draft that like I printed out, like I used all my pages. It was, I think it was a senior in college and you had like a certain amount of pages you were like allowed to print. And like, I hit my max, I like used all of my, which was terrible. I was supposed to be using it for school, but I used it to like print out my first draft of Talk Bookish to Me. And originally it was about a girl. She was, I don't even think she was a writer. She was trying to be a writer, but it was just like how she would go through life and she would like interpret things that would happen to her as, and it would, she would see it in her head of how it would be in a romance novel. So like all throughout the book, it was like, she was doing like, she was having an interaction with someone and in her head, it would like morph into like a cowboy scene. It would like morph into like a military scene. It would be like a Scottish Highlands like scene. But it just felt like kind of doing the same thing over and over. Like it was like, okay, she just keeps having these fantasies. And I thought like, well, how can I incorporate romance novels into the book? And that's kind of how she became a writer. And it was the book within a book uh, thing going on. So I'm going to skip to here for the drama really quickly, because like I said, I was a huge, I was, I used to be a theater major before I ended up switching. Yeah. I did theater from about, I think, fifth grade to like my second year in college. Like I said, I was a stage manager. So, so tell fun. me why you focused on theater and tell me a little bit about your background or your connection, like why you love so the theater. I've always loved the theater, but I was never... I guess I'm too shy. Like, I don't know. I, I knew I couldn't really be in them. Like if I did, like I was like, I would be like the background. Like I was like an ensemble person, like not in the front, like I'm ensemble, but like in high school, especially, I just thought the theater group were like the funniest people I've ever met. Like I was crying laughing and it was a group where like, I didn't even really have to participate. Like I just got to like sit around and listen to everyone. And I was dying laughing all the time like I would do tech so that way I would get to like be around everyone and I would just get to like be backstage and I just had so much fun like I just have the best memories like everyone was so nice and so funny and like so passionate and it was just like such a sense of like community like lugging these like big like prop pieces like on back and forth and we're like all wearing black and like sprinting and like trying to get on the stage and off the stage and oh, I just have the best memories. And it was it's just so much fun. And, you know, I live in New York, so I'm lucky enough that like I could go into the city and see shows. Like I've always been obsessed with musicals since I was young and not just like musicals, but like I'll see them over and over and over. Like I'm totally fine with seeing the same show. Like, I think I saw Phantom eight times. Like, cause you know, well, each you, like, show is different. Each, so each different. show is different. It's and that's so one of the things different. I love about theater is you it's could literally so go 16 times with the same cast and each time it's going to be different. Oh, so just like so exciting. Like I love just watching a show. I loved in high school, like being part of it. So just like 
all the warm, fuzzy feelings when I think about theater, like so happy, so excited. And I couldn't wait to write about it. And then even the research was so much fun. Like I just like watched a ton of YouTube videos of like different theater companies and this and that, like, it's like research. Like, I just loved it. Like I just got to watch, like, I don't know, just such, they're such artists and it's so interesting to see everyone's process. So writing here for the drama was like a dream project. It was like the easiest one to write, the funnest one to write. Oh, I love, I love here for the drama. <laughs> so is Phantom your favorite musical? Uh, you know, it, it, I saw it the most, but my favorite show, I saw a rendition of Carousel. I don't remember when it was because then COVID happened and like, I never left my house ever again. But this one rendition of Carousel that I saw, and funnily enough, my favorite tech in high school we did carousel so maybe I'm like biased that like I just tie it together but everyone was just so good oh and it was just amazing <laughs> did you did you see it in New York you said you live in New York right yes you, you saw it oh, that's yeah. that's one of the <laughs> I wish I lived in New York strictly for Broadway and off Broadway and off oh, off Broadway visit. seriously I went to New York when I was 16 I think 16 15 I went with my theater um department and my parents and my brother ended up going and we saw Phantom we saw um Wicked on Broadway and then <laughs> I saw Avenue Q have you seen Avenue Q is it the puppets yes no. it's the puppets it one the puppets. it is it is the puppets <laughs> one it is one I don't know how I convinced my parents to go see it a bunch of my friends went and saw it yeah mom and dad I, you should not have let me go and see that uh <laughs> fyi but it was like the production value is amazing yeah. it's and i wish i lived i wish i lived there so i could be like hey you know what two weeks from now let's go see this show let's go see this show that let's go see this show because mm -hmm. the talent that they draw also is absolutely incredible mm -hmm. uh have you seen any shows in london did you go and see any when you were there yes i've been to london twice um me and my friend uh I've just been obsessed with London my whole life like since I was a child like trying to convince my parents to like send me to a British boarding school when I was like 10 years old and I'm like no like this is probably what I'm supposed to be doing but obviously they didn't uh buy it so as soon as I started working when I became a teacher like I was just immediately saving and like within a few months I had like bought my ticket to I, I don't want to say I got a job strictly to <laughs> go to London it's okay if you did <laughs> a little bit so yes we did the first time we went I went with my one friend we went and then we went again like 11 months later um we saw Phantom and then the next time we went and saw Wicked nice how so, was the how was the theater world over there like how were the plays and the shows oh amazing they were so amazing. good and again like I don't know if I was just like riding on a high while I was over there because like each trip was like you know, the first trip, especially like after I dreamed about going for so long, like everything was just amazing. And this is like, just like a silly side fact, something that they didn't do in New York that I thought was like extra fun. There was an intermission. They came around selling little Haagen-Dazs ice creams, like as you sat in your seat. So I like, I don't know. I mean, it sounds silly, but like eating a chocolate ice cream at intermission as I was in London, like seeing a show, I was just like, life doesn't get better <laughs> right you can't go wrong with Hagen does that's this the best that's my that's this my favorite oh it was so amazing 
what were your favorite things to do when you were in London? We traveled a lot. I wanted to see castle like I don't know if it was just because of my love for like historical romance or you know anything like that but we took uh you know tours to go see all different places so the one specific tour that was my favorite was first they took you to Stratford-on-Avon so you went and saw like Shakespeare's house like you you get picked up and you go in these vans so I liked that I liked that you each had like your own little one seat on the van I was just like listening to music as we were like driving through the countryside so we stopped at Stratford-on-Avon and you like eat lunch in a pub and it was just so much fun and then you went we went to Warwick so it has this like it's one of like the best preserved castles um Warwick Castle and it was just so beautiful it was my first time seeing a castle and I just thought it was you know unreal uh how well preserved it was and then from there then you went to Oxford so then you got to walk around, you know, the campus area and, you know, you went into the Great Hall, you know, the of uh, where, uh, where Harry Potter was filmed. Um, and everything was just, that was like my favorite tour. That was my favorite day where everything was just dreamy. And I don't know if like we manifested it or we got so lucky. I think we went in January. So we were like ready for some like crazy weather and like, we were there for, I think, like nine or 10 days. And like, it didn't rain for like nine wow. or like something crazy. And our guide was like, this is unheard of. Like, it should be snowing. It should be raining. Like, I don't know how this isn't happening. Um, but it was just like the most idyllic, fun trip ever. <laughs> My goodness, that sounds amazing. And that sounds like a really good kind of day trip to go to all three of those places. Mm-hmm. We did it again the second time. <laughs> like we have to do that day trip again. <laughs> I'm totally going to write that down when we're done here because <laughs> I've always loved London. I don't know why, but from a young age, I've always loved London. Mm-hmm. And that's like one of the top, you know, places I, I wonder if go. it ties in with theater lovers. Like it's just like it something must. about them, like line something, up. <laughs> something about them. Uh, so let's jump to... Italy okay because mm-hmm. I'm very excited to talk to you about Italy you've been to Italy before yes okay tell me about your trips because I want to know all the details I want to know how beautiful it is I want to know where you went I want to know how it was it was so much fun um I went the first time uh I went for I think it was about six weeks it was like to uh, a summer program uh in college so I got to go with my best friend the person who I also ended up going to to England with and it was my first time out of the country uh I had never left the United States before so I was a bit nervous (laughs) because it was like to go from just kind of going like on the east coast where I live to then making the jump you know but it was so exciting we stayed in this like very fun cool apartment and like there were I don't know how many girls I think we were like five people in a per apartment and it was just amazing like the balcony like there were two or three balconies and everything was just so good and it was like I took Italian one so it's like I was studying but like you know not really and our professor was like very eccentric like she was like a countess like she used to be a countess or something like that like it was just this very like whimsical like kind of trip it was through our school so every weekend we would go on trips except for like one weekend so we went to Florence we went to 
Venice. We went all around kind of on the weekends. One weekend we went to Capri um, and that was where I like my jaw just dropped. Like that was very much in Chow for Now where it was like you had no idea like natural beauty just existed like that before. So I just had such a wonderful time. And then I ended up going back there on my honeymoon. I convinced my husband, I'm like, we we need to go. He had never been to Italy. So I kind of got to take him to my favorite uh, spots, obviously back to Capri. Um, and that hotel that like, I kind of write about when they stay in the Capri, we, we stayed at a hotel like that. We stayed there for what, like two nights. And I think it was like half our budget, <laughs> but I'm like, it's important. Like we just not important, but I was like, I just thought it'd be fun to like stay somewhere, you know, fancy, but it had that snack area that I talk about. In yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. That I'll have to give you the name of that place. I'll and that was my reaction where I'm like, we have to drink all the Coke, all the bottles of soda that like we can get our hands on. That was very much real. I didn't take them with me, but I thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's a very good scene. Yeah. I saw that and I was like, oh my goodness, this place is like a dream. So do you remember what the place was called? I don't, <clears throat> if I think about it, it might come to me, but now that I'm on the spot, siren, <laughs> something siren, maybe some Bellevue siren something like that I was like okay yeah something like that I'll, if you I'll think of it, it you'll have to tell me yeah yes. you'll have to tell me <laughs> <laughs> so if you had to write because your next book's coming up obviously you know I don't want you to talk about stuff that you can't talk about yet but if you could write about one place that mm-hmm. you haven't been mm-hmm. that you would want to go to what would you write about where would you write about Paris I was there for a few hours <laughs> I went there on a day trip when I was the last time I was in London we took the train and we did a tour um so we weren't there we didn't sleep over or anything like that we just went for the day um but I would like to write something in Paris in Paris how was the train because you took did you take the underground the it was great I slept the whole time we took like a super early train I think it was like at 6 a.m so you had to be there at like 5 30 or like five o'clock to get on the train um so I slept and then when we got there a French woman she's wearing like a fur fur coat she came up to me and she's like I saw you you know that's amazing that you could just put your head down and fall asleep you know that's great like she looked so like classically amazingly Parisian and they're so, just so fun <laughs> they're so fancy over there I'm very much the same as you wear like sweats if I put on anything but sweats and like a t-shirt that's me being fancy so I I they're always so classy looking always and meanwhile me was like sleeping like that the whole time with your head down what did you guys end up doing when you were in Paris we went so again like I'm terrible with directions so like I need these tours because otherwise I would have no idea where to go So it was like, they got you from the train again. You were like on a bus. They took you to the Eiffel Tower. We got to go up. So it was good. You got to like, you bought all your tickets in advance. So like, we didn't have to wait on the line. So we went up to the, the, not the very, very top, but like the next layer of the top. And then you could have gone to a couple different places. We chose to go to Versailles. So then a van picked us up and took us to Versailles. Um, And that was it. And then we had lunch. somewhere along the river and it was like delicious and it was just a great a great trip and that was it and then it was back to London that night I want to travel again so badly 
I miss it so much. And (laughs) COVID hit, you know, and everything shut Mm -hmm. down and I haven't been back anywhere, but this is just, we would always go in like the off season. Like we went the two times we went, like, I think I went to Paris. It was like November. Like we went to London the first time in January and then November. Cause like flights were less expensive and the hotels were always like a little bit less expensive. And like, even when I went to Italy, like on the, our honeymoon, we went like in April. So it was never like, you know, ideal weather, but it always worked out. <laughs> for yeah. Me. And honestly, like I'm the same way. I like traveling in the off season. There's less people and I'm very much a cold person. I, I yes. don't like heat. So I know a lot of people like to go to the beaches and, Mm -hmm. you know, go during the beautiful weather, but I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know what? Just give me a jacket. I'll be totally fine. Give me my boots. Yeah. I'll be totally fine. Exactly. Happy as a clam. Is (laughs) has like the fall weather officially hit where you live? It like just started. Like I finally stopped turning on my air conditioner like three nights ago and it feels so good. And I'm like, wow, I can wear anything in my closet now because all I do is like compulsively buy sweaters. Um, so as opposed to like the five t-shirts that like from Old Navy that have just been like in rotation every day, I'm like, wow, I can wear other things. <laughs> oh I love winter. I'm not a summer person. I'm sweaty and unhappy and just winter. Winter is my time. Are you a rain or are you a snow person? No. I love snow the snow I love the snow mm-hmm. sorry I got off on a tangent there. <laughs> I got really excited because I live in California and like we don't get four seasons we get mm-hmm. summer and preparing for summer it feels like sometimes <laughs> and I also lived in northern Idaho for a while uh for a couple years and you know up there you get all four seasons and you mm-hmm. get snow mm-hmm. and just coming back to California I just I yearn <laughs> for the cold weather <laughs> and it still hasn't really hit where I am like the fall mm-hmm. weather hasn't hit so I was like I gotta ask since you're on the east coast oh it's just starting I love it so in each of your books you've written about a place and something that you really enjoy something that you're interested in that you like which one did you enjoy writing the most here for the drama here for the drama yeah <laughs> here for the drama I just loved it like it was just such a nice process like Talk bookish to me took so long to write because I had no clue what I was doing and I just did it in my spare time like you know like I told you like I didn't think it was a real thing I just did it whenever I could like after work it was just something I did for fun here for the drama was my first time writing with a deadline so that was a new experience because I kind of you know I had no outline for talk bookish to me I was just doing it as I went And I did that for like a month with here for the drama. And then I'm like, this is not working. I need, I need to outline. And I just went to town, like filling a notebook where like each character, I wrote like an in-depth backstory for everyone. So like pages for each person. And then I would make like a rough list of scene ideas, like And I always aim for 25. I don't know why I have this like number in my head where I'm like, okay, it has to be 25. Um, But it never ends. I don't think it actually ever ends up being 25, but I try to write 25. And then I would then write another version, expanding a little more on each scene. And then again, then like expanding a little more on each scene and then adding dialogue ideas. So I loved it. So with Chow for Now, then I had like another intense uh, outline, but 
as opposed with here for the drama where I just like wrote it and it was so nice. My, my older son was like at a good age. So like I had time to do it. Ciao for now. When I tell you, I barely remember writing it. Like, I don't, I don't know if, if I blacked out or what it was like right at the end of my pregnancy for my second son. And then through the newborn phase, all I remember is handing in a terrible first draft where I was like, they're going to throw this in my face and laugh because I was so sleep deprived and out of it. And I was just like, it's going to be a rewrite. Like, this isn't even like an edit. This is a rewrite, which it was. Um, <laughs> so it is a miracle that Chow for now turned into, like, I ended up loving it. Like, I love Chow for now, but I don't remember writing it. I don't know how I got there. It was like, at night, in the middle of the night, like as I was pumping, like, I don't know where it came from, but thankfully it came into being and I, it ended up being something that I was super proud of and that I really enjoyed. But, and then I don't know if, because that was so hard, I think back at here for the drama and it's just like in this golden glow, like I'm just remembering it like as way better and easier than it was. But I guess compared to Chow for now, it was like this blissful, magical writing experience whereas chow for now was like I have to do this like <laughs> it has to get done um so yes I, I always have to say here for the drama is like my special book baby your special baby yeah <laughs> since you have published three books and like you said your first one talk bookish to me you weren't on a deadline it just kind of happened when it happened and now to, you know, chow for now where you have to get this done. You have mm -hmm. to submit this. Yeah. What is one of the, I know you spoke brief, you know, you talked about uh, how important outlining is for you now. What is something that you've learned as your process has gone on that you may not necessarily like, but you know that you have to do it? For me, it's just writing every day because if I don't write every day, I'm like mad at myself, I'm like in a bad mood, because if you write every day, you'll get there. Like you'll eventually get there. And I found for me, like if I would wait a day or two, then I would like get down on myself. I was like, you didn't even write today. Like, you know, if I wouldn't, I'm just a happier person and it just makes the process, you know, so much easier. The hardest part, and the hardest part that I still struggle with is that first draft, like the garbage draft, like where you just have to like brain dump everything onto the page. So daunting. I feel like, especially after you've put a book out before, because you go to write and you're like, this isn't good. Like, why isn't it good? Like my other books, like my other books were good. And you have to like remind yourself, like, no, the first drafts of those other books were not good. Like, and you just have to get through. So that's something I still really struggle with is that first rough draft because I'll just keep going back and editing what I already have and like I just want to make that good but I feel like it's just because I'm procrastinating and I don't want to write new stuff <laughs> oh my gosh it's like you're speaking to me and you're calling me out personally because <laughs> I'm I'm currently writing a book that was my master's thesis and it's the same thing like I go back I write something and then I go back and I'm like, oh my God, this is terrible. Mm -hmm. I need to completely rewrite this. I can't, this can't be in my first draft. I can't mm -hmm. let someone read this for the first time and have it be absolute, you know, crap. 
Mm-hmm. And so then I'll go back and I'll fix that. And then, you know, I'll write maybe one or two more chapters. And then the same thing. And I was like, well, no, now the very beginning, I don't like the very beginning. So now I'm going to go back and I'm going to write that. And it's, I feel personally attacked. <laughs> it's just me. like, you I'm the know. problem. It's me. Like, I love to edit. And I just have to keep telling myself, like, you can't edit what's not there. Like, just do it. But it's just so hard. It is hard. It's so hard. <laughs> and I and can't I get, even. Like, lost in YouTube. Like, here I am. Like, I sit down with my coffee. And I'm like, this is it. I'm going to be, like, so productive. And I'm like, it's an hour and a half later. And I'm, like, watching someone, like, build a cabin in the woods. And I'm like, what's going on? Like, this isn't where I need to be. And then I'm just lost. So I, I need to work on that. <laughs> I can't even imagine having to do it on a deadline right now. What is the like the time process and the whole revision process kind of look like when you're, you know, when you have an agent, when you have a, a contract? Sure. Um, you it really depends. Like they're pretty open. I always ask for like the max amount of time. Like if if whatever it is. Like, I remember my agent, I don't know if it was for Chow for now or here for the drama. And they're like, what do you think? Like five, six months. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, what's like the longest? And they're like, I don't know, like maybe like nine-ish or 10. I'm like that. I need, I need that. Um, and then it's just kind of up to you. And I, again, I feel like I'm so slow and it's not until I'm like, like at the limit where I'm like, oh, I have like a month and a half. So it's like, okay, so I have to do like a chapter every single day or like all is lost, you know, kind of, but really it's different. Other authors, they can go so fast. And like, I'm just amazed and dazzled. Like when authors put out like two books a year or more, just like how, like what magical sorcery are you doing? Cause like, I can't even imagine I'm like blown away by their talent and drive and their focus. Like, I think it's just me. I don't think I focus that well. (laughs) (laughs) What was the querying process like? Cause you said that it took you like a couple years to do talk bookish to me. It went through some changes. What was that? That process go. I really, I shouldn't have enjoyed it because it was emotional torture, but like I did, it was just so exciting. Like, so the first like terrible, like draft of talk bookish to me that was like nowhere near ready to be published absolutely not I think I was like let me query and this was like way back in the day I knew nothing about querying I think I queried like one person and it was just like a rejection I'm like okay cool so then like a year and a half later I had like done another draft and I was like okay I'll query like three people and two were rejections and one was like a personalized rejection and she had said oh if you ever fix it up like message me again. And I thought that was like the most exciting thing I had ever read. Like I was so happy with that, but then I kind of went off and that's when I started screenwriting until I decided that I was going to come back and really try, um, to make something happen with it. Um, which was basically all through YouTube. Also, by the way, I watched like every video on the querying process and, Cause there's just like such a wealth of knowledge out there. Like I would watch videos, like from an agent's perspective, from an editor's perspective, from the author's perspective and everything's there. Like they give you like a list, like you can like, so if you do kind of what's on the list and then if you keep obviously working on your book, like it, it just gave me more confidence than the other times where I was like, if I've done all this research and I've worked as hard as I can to improve my writing and improve the book, 
so then my last time querying, um, I think I did 40, like maybe I did 40. And it takes a long time because especially if you research each agent and you like, you want to make each letter personal and, you know, try to show them that you're, you know, looking them up and things like that. So I think I researched, I, I sent out to 40 and it's, for me, it was exciting because it was like, you go from hearing nothing and you're just kind of alone with your project for years to then all of a sudden, like every day you're hearing something, whether it's a rejection, whether it's a request, like all of a sudden from no news for years to then all of a sudden, like you're getting a lot of news, albeit not always great news. Um, so the last time I queried, I was getting a lot of requests um, and rejections. Um, and it was, I'd say the most exciting thing was when I got my first, like, let's have a chat. And I was like, <gasps> I was just stunned and I couldn't believe that was probably like the most exciting thing, almost as exciting as finding out I got the book deal. But I don't know if it was just because like I had only ever had rejection before. So it was like the first acceptance, like, you know, thing where you're like, this might happen. Oh my God. Like. So hearing that first thing, I still look at it. I still, I'll still look at that email from my agent where she asked to chat, and it just always makes me, <laughs> always like makes me so happy. Is is that your agent that you currently have? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's exciting. I feel like that's how it is with me. Like I, I bought my the first dress I tried on. Like the first agent who messaged me, like <laughs> just like yes. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, that oh. That's amazing. I'm so that glad you fun. I enjoyed it. the querying process, even though some days I'd be like crying or because, you know, you'd get like three rejections in a day and you're like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I torturing myself? But it was always that hope where I was like, well, maybe tomorrow, like maybe tomorrow that's going to be the day. Like, just keep hoping that every day was going to be like the day. So I thought that was kind of exciting. How has your relationship with your agent changed since you've had the same agent uh, for three books like has it changed at all from when you were when you first signed with her to now oh no I just love her I, I just love her more and more <laughs> with, with every book uh, that goes by it's just so nice knowing that like there's someone in your corner who just like wants you to do well and wants to guide you and you know it's just amazing I love my I was I don't know if I can ask this so if not I'll totally cut this out but how was the book deal process once you got your agent like how does that whole kind of process work how did that work with you it was great you just you go on submission um so it was, I don't know if she sent it she sent you know your agent will send it to a few people from what I understood before it happened like I had watched a lot of videos and it was like you'll go on kind of rounds like your agent will do a bunch of publishers and then They'll see, you know, if anyone wants it or if you have like an auction, like if a bunch of people want it. And then if it doesn't work out, then there's like another round where then she'll send to, you know, they'll send to more people. And that was kind of how it went. It, we did one, we only ended up doing one round. I don't remember how many publishers she sent it to, but, you know, we got, I got plenty of rejections and I was like, okay, like maybe this is it. And I think, and and then until one publisher said yes. So it was like, all you need is one. And that's what my agent always told me. She said, all you need is one. So really that was true for me. It was like, 
the first agent, you know, the one agent, the one offer, and then three books later, you know, all you need is one. If you could give younger Kate some advice, you know, after you've been through this process a couple of times, what piece of advice would you give her about Ooh. the whole process? Ooh, probably, I don't know, maybe to like have more fun with it. Like, I think especially in the beginning, I was so nervous. Like I've always, I'm just like a nervous person anyways, even like before this chat, I'm like, sweaty palms like even and even still like with Instagram before every post I'm I'm like queasy like I'm just nervous about everything um so just to relax and to just know that your readers will find you you'll find the right people on you know social media or other authors that you connect with that help lift you up and you lift them up and I feel like I was just so tense for like three years, like even now, like I'm still that way. And I have to like remind myself to just relax and enjoy it, that this is like a fun process and I should enjoy it rather than be like, I hope people like it. I hope they like me. Like, I hope everything works out and just have to, you know, relax. This is like a wonderful community. Everyone's so amazing and giving like I'm thinking of like bookstagram in particular, like it's always just been, everyone's so lovely and nice. And I love talking to readers. And so just for me to enjoy it and not be so terrified of everything. <laughs> what has been your most memorable moment from your publishing career? Was it, you know, was it when you got that first email? Was it when your first book came out? What was it? The first email, like, I don't know if anything will ever top that just because it was the first yes. And I, I remember thinking like, even if I, this book doesn't work out, like I could live off of this memory. Like I could just take this memory and like, that'll be enough. Like, it'll be okay. And then, because it was more nerve wracking when I got the book deal, because like, I knew that my editor was going to an acquisitions meeting and she was going to like pitch her book. Like, so all day I was just like, oh my God, like waiting for this to happen. Like the query one was just like an out of the blue. Like I was just sitting down to eat my lunch when I got the email. And then it was just like this gift that came out of the air. But waiting to find out if if I was going to get a book deal or not, like I knew when that was coming. So it was just like all day. I was just like dying all day long. But it was amazing, obviously, when I got the call, like, but I knew my agent was going to call me either way. So when I saw her like name pop up on my phone, I was just like, all right, like, here we go. And thank goodness, you know, I, uh, you know, that it ended up going through. So that was probably, and then maybe seeing it in the bookstore, just because like, I don't know if it was that I'd worked in a bookstore. So seeing it there felt very surreal and amazing. So I'd say, yeah, getting the e email from my agent, finding out the day that I got a book deal and then seeing in the store for the first time. Those are like the three highlights. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're going to transition to our rapid fire questions. And I think <laughs> I already know the answer to this because I'm pretty sure we've already talked about this, but what is your favorite genre to read? Romance. Romance, excellent answer. <laughs> I freaking love romance. I love reading romance. Now, if you could write one trope that you haven't written already, what would it be? Like fake dating slash marriage of convenience. Yes. 
Okay. Where would you set it? You think that one would be set in Paris? Well, I don't know. Maybe that'd be fun. <laughs> Me totally not trying to get, you know, give you book ideas. Come on, come on, Kate, come on. Okay. I'll do what? it. <laughs> okay. Now, if you weren't an author and you could have any job in the world, what do you think you would do? Maybe work in publishing that, you know, I love books that take place in publishing. Cause I find it so amazing. Like, do I think I'd ever really get a job in publishing? No. Like I'd probably go back to teaching. I was in like uh, teaching nursery school, but if I could do any job, publishing would be. Publishing would be it. Yeah. Now, if you could invite someone over for dinner, dead or alive, who would you invite? My grandma. <laughs> Oh, that's such a good answer. I love that. I love that. If you could invite a fictional character over for dinner, who would you invite? Oh, that's and really why? Hard. I want to know why. It's really hard. hard. I think, I don't know why I always go on questions like that. I always go to like Jane Austen characters and I don't know why. And the person I would invite isn't the most exciting, but I would pick Eleanor Dashwood from Sense and Sensibility. Just because she seems really nice and chill. And I think we would actually have like a lovely dinner together. And we both have like two sisters. So I feel like we could talk about our sisters. And you guys would totally connect on that. I feel like if we could just talk about stuff like that. If so, little twist if you could invite a fictional character from one of your books over, who would you invite? And why? I want to know why. Oh. Ooh either Winnie or Juliet so we can talk about like theater stuff (laughs) I love it that's a good answer I appreciate that yeah now what is currently bringing you joy Ooh, I just got um an espresso machine uh I got an an espresso machine I've always dreamed of having one and I used to work in the cafe at Barnes and Noble so I used to love making you know the coffees and the drinks and I'm sick of going to Duncan every single day and just giving them all my money. So I'm like, <laughs> I want to make my own espresso. So I just like got all the stuff and I just put it together. And before the chat, like I just done the rinse cycle. So either tonight or tomorrow, I'm going to try making my first uh, espresso. So my espresso machine. Very nice. Hey, you might as well invest that money back into yourself, right? You into something that you can use every day. How do you... How do you drink your coffee? Mocha latte. Nice. That's yeah. a good one. Gosh, no I always coffee. loved the idea of coffee. And then in college, I tried it and I was like, I don't like it. And then mocha lattes are just like hot chocolate with espresso. I'm like, that's it. And it's delicious. <laughs> I mean, that's how can you one. not like hot chocolate, right? And that it's it. absolutely and I never delicious. looked back. <laughs> and I'm very well, boring. Thanks. So like if I find something that works, that's it. <laughs> I'm the same way. I go to a restaurant. I don't try anything new. I try exactly mm-hmm. what I know I've liked in the past. Yep. Well, same movies you. over and over, same foods over and over. I'm just like the most repetitive person you'll ever encounter. What's your favorite movie? If you oh could God. sit down and pick no. one movie that you could only watch over and over and over again, what would it be? That is so hard. Don't ask me that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I have like 12. The only one that's popping in, my, this one's popping in my head mainly because in Plex, it's the top of the alphabet. I keep them in alphabetical order. So About Time is coming up. It was this really cute um, movie with Rachel McAdams. And I forget his name, but it like was set in London. 
and the main guy has red hair and my husband has red hair. So I just like loved. <laughs> so that's there, but I don't know if that would be my real answer. That's my answer right now. But if I had like okay. an hour to think about it, I don't know <laughs> if that would be my answer answer. I think but. if I, if I had to only pick one, I think it would be the mummy, the one with Brendan Fraser. Cause oh. I freaking love that movie. Like with the yeah. passion, I can recite that movie backwards and forwards. But about time I'll have to watch that one. Second was there? There was a second, right? Yes, yeah. There was a second one, and then there was a third one, which had a different actor in it. Rachel Weisz wasn't in it. Oh no, I saw the second one then. Yeah, the first one. The second one, I actually really enjoyed the second one. I the first one. one. And I was like, I wonder if I won't be able to enjoy it because I didn't see the first one, but I loved it. Yeah, you can totally watch them out of order. You don't need to watch them in order. It totally makes sense. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Kate, for being on. I loved being able to talk with you in person and not just over DMs or Instagram. So thank you so much for being here. It was, I it had was such an honor. So much thank fun. you so much. I had so much fun. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And before I sign off, I would just like to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to tune in. If you want to stay up to date on episodes and announcements, please subscribe or follow me at The Real Bookish Writer or at The Well Read Podcast on Instagram. Thank you again for listening and have a magical day. See you next week.